Vedaha, Vedaha, the Vedic literature. Asan, Asan, became manifested. Became manifested. Chaturmukhat, Chaturmukhat, from the four mouths. From the four mouths. Katam Shakshami, Katam Shakshami. How shall I create? How shall I create? Aham, Aham. myself. Myself. Lokan, Lokan. All these worlds. All these worlds. Samavetan. Samavetan. Assembled. Assembled. Yata. Yata. As they were. As they were. Buddha. Buddha. In the past. In the past. Translation. By His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Once upon a time, when Brahma was thinking of how to create the worlds, as in the past millennium, the four Vedas, which contain all varieties of knowledge, became manifested from his four mouths. Please repeat. Once upon a time, Once upon a time when Brahma was thinking of how to create, was how to create the worlds, as in the past millennium, the four Vedas, the four Vedas which contained all varieties of knowledge, became manifested from his four mouths. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. As a fire can consume anything and everything without being contaminated, so by the grace of the Lord, the fire of Brahma's greatness consumed his desire for the sinful act of sex with his daughter. The Vedas are the source of all knowledge, and they were first revealed to Brahma by the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, while Brahma was thinking of recreating the material world. Brahma is powerful by dint of his devotional service unto the Lord, and the Lord is always ready to forgive his devotee if by chance he falls down from the noble path of devotional service. The Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.42 confirms this as follows. Sapadamulam bhajatak priyasya chakvanya bhavasya hari parishaha vikarma yachcho patitam katan chid dunoti sarvan hridisani vikstaha Any person who is engaged 100% in the transcendental loving service of the Lord at his lotus feet is very dear to the personality of Godhead Hari. And the Lord, being situated in the heart of the devotee, excuses all kinds of sins committed by chance. It was never expected that a great personality like Brahma would ever think of sex indulgence with his daughter. The example shown by Brahma only suggests that the power of material nature is so strong that it can act upon everyone, even Brahma. Brahma was saved by the mercy of the Lord with a little punishment, but by the grace of the Lord he did not lose his prestige as the great Brahma. <clears throat> Kadachit hayatak trashtur 
Veda asang chatur mukhat, Pitam shraksham yaham lokan, Samavetam yata pura. Once upon a time when Brahma was thinking of how to create the worlds as in the past millennium, the four Vedas, which contain all varieties of knowledge, became manifested from his four mouths. Mukam koroti bhachalam pangam lagayati gidim maham bande sri guru nirachadinu So Brahma was not forced to resign um, <coughs> due to the pressure of the Me Too movement uh, as is currently taking place in contemporary society where all these big, big men are uh, being exposed as debauchees and rascals and then forced to resign their positions. But then Brahma did not actually perpetrate any sinful activity. He just thought about it. Uh, but he had to suffer a little reaction. So previously, it was that if one even contemplated some sinful activity, then he received a reaction. Now, um, in this age, uh, you pretty much got to do it, and then you get the reaction. You have to actually carry out your nefarious plans of sinful activities. So the standard is lower now than it was, and so people are less accountable. But still, there's this idea of accountability in our contemporary society, and that is a reflection of the, um, the laws of God, that there is account accountability. Like people think, well, I can do whatever I want as long as no one is looking, and I don't get caught. That's what they're thinking. But they don't understand that there's actually a system within the universe for accountability that's built in. So according to one's activities, one receives the results. Whether or not your neighbor knows, or whether or not the law catches you, um, that may or may not be the case. But the fact is, according to the laws of God, then uh, accountability uh, will be achieved. So, and actually, the Lord is within everyone's heart, so he knows everything, even that you think. And this is a somewhat daunting proposition, because we may think so many things. <laughs> and the face we present to the world, unless someone is extremely expert in reading the face, then mostly no one knows what we're thinking. But the Lord in the heart, Sarvasya Chaham Haridisani Vikstol Mataksmantiryana Mapohanam Chah, he not only knows what you're thinking, but he gives you the ability to uh, have intelligence and to remember and to forget. So all that comes from him. So um, 
when it comes to the Lord, uh, we have no secrets. Like I said, that is a daunting proposition. Because if you just do a, a mental fast rewind of all your thoughts that you've had in your life, it's like, ooh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> Glad nobody knows that. Well, someone knows. <clears throat> that is the Lord. He knows past, present. He knows the future. He knows everything. Nothing escapes his glance. And it's not that the Lord is just simply, you know, the great, the great man up on the throne, passing judgment on everyone as his primary activity. He's got better things to do. He's busy engaging in his pastimes of love with his devotees. Still, by his expansion, he knows everything. Although personally, he's not worried about all that kind of stuff. The, the Lord himself, he's not all thinking, oh, creation, maintenance, annihilation, all these living entities, their karma, I need a vacation. You know, <clears throat> he's not like that. Because he expands himself uh, by his potencies, and then he can do all that. Uh, what is that verse I'm thinking of? Simply when he desires something to be accomplished, then automatically his potencies, his energies carry that out and he doesn't have to personally take care of that. So his management is not like our management in, in this world. In this world, the management is so difficult. And you have to pay attention to every detail and worry about it. And you can't just simply delegate uh, because the persons that you're delegating to are all conditioned souls and they're forgetful and they're spaced out and they're not maybe attentive and they got other priorities and they may or may not carry out the management, the tasks that they're supposed to. Just like uh, yesterday, Ganga started his job. So he's supposed to drive from 11 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. And they have three drivers, four hours each shift. Well, one of the drivers somehow didn't pass the background check, so now they only have two drivers. So he has to start at 7 in the morning, that's why we're not seeing him now. And he has to drive till 3 in the afternoon. And then, yesterday, the first day, the second driver showed up late. <laughs> His first day. <laughs> you would have thought yesterday was a Kanji <laughs> for him. <clears throat> so, um, because the management's not that good. And then the air conditioner on the bus is not working. Oh, God. How can that be? And this is Arizona. So the management is not very good. And... You know, all this should have been sorted out before the first day. Should have all been taken care of, managed nicely. But <coughs> so it goes. But in case you're all worried about Ganga, he said actually the job was pretty easy. It was easier than his other driving jobs he had because he's he does a route from the apartment complex to the campus, and he's got a 15-minute downtime. And then he comes back, he's got another 15-minute downtime. 
So out of every hour, he's got half an hour downtime. So he said, oh, it's not so bad. So only they would fix the air conditioning. So that's just an example because he's our friend and we love him. We were talking about this with him yesterday. So <clears throat> that's the way it goes in the material. Of course, there's, you know, there's better management going on than what's going on at his job. And there's worse also. But the Lord himself is a great manager, but when he delegates um, through his various energies and potencies all the different tasks and things he has that need to be done, it gets done. You know, they don't show up late, they don't fail the background check, his potencies, they're his expanded energies, so they do their job. And Lord Brahma, he's extremely attentive to his duties in terms of the secondary creation. Uh, after all, he's the incarnation of the mode of passion. So, you know, mode of passion means, you know, get the job done. And sometimes devotees don't understand very well how the modes work. You may think if you go to a big corporation go to their offices and you see everything is very clean and very expertly arranged, that's not the mode of goodness. There's a tinge of goodness there perhaps a little touch, but it's the mode of passion. Get the job done. Hire the right person, get the job done, make all the arrangements. They're very passionate because the goal is sense gratification. Get the job done, make the money, get the money, Enjoy sense gratification. That's the whole thing. So that's not the mode of goodness. <laughs> Although the place is very clean. They hire people. They have all the equipment and all the right chemicals to put on the floor. And they have somebody come in and do the plants and you know, the windows and everything's like appears very first class. Uh, because they're very much attached to the goal. Just make the money, get the money, enjoy sense gratification. So that's the mode of passion. In the mode of goodness, everything is also very clean. Everything should be very clean. And nice and natural, just like here in our temple. We want to maintain a very nice standard of cleanliness. Prabhupada was uh, very keen on maintaining cleanliness. It should be so clean that you can eat off the floor, is the old expression they used to say about the Hare Krishna temple. And I remember back in the 70s and the 80s, although I hadn't been there, and I've only been there once since, recently, going back to San Diego. San Diego temple was known as the cleanest temple in America. <laughs> that was their reputation. Very clean. But all the temples are should be very clean. And that is in the mode of goodness because the cleanliness is to um, help support the sattvic atmosphere and the spiritual atmosphere of the temple. So the cleanliness is important. Cleanliness is next to godliness. So Prabhupada um, was very keen that in all our temples everything is very clean and neat and well organized and nicely done and nicely presented so that when people come they see the atmosphere is very nice and that is the case 
of this temple. We have a very wonderful temple and we try to work very hard to maintain the cleanliness and the spiritual atmosphere. And so that people come here and they visit and they notice that. They pick up on that. Wow, this place is beautiful. It's like an oasis. Because we live in a desert, it's very dry since we have the pond and we're our Dhammadar Prabhu is slaving away, watering everything all the time. So he's maintaining that uh, with determination in the mode of goodness. And then people, they feel that. Even devotees, they come in and they say, oh, your temple is very wonderful. It's very beautiful. Everything is so nice. They're very impressed. And sometimes we may go to some of our temples in different places and we may be less than impressed. <laughs> But um, it's important to have a very high standard because uh, Krishna consciousness means very clean, very neat, very beautiful, very nicely arranged, very nicely taken care of. And we don't go out and you know, hire a staff of cleaners or anything like that. It's just our devotees do that as devotional service. Uh, that is bhakti, devotion to Krishna. It's so important that in the Guru Vastakam, which we sing every morning, the third verse states, Sri Vigrahara Dana Nityanana, Sringaratan Mandira Marjanali. Sri Vigrahara Dana Nityanana, the daily, the deity worship is going on. The spiritual master is engaging <coughs> the, the devotees in very nice sea. Sri Vigrahara Dana Nityanana. Sringaratan, decorating the deity, worshiping the deity Raji. Mandira Majanadu. Mandira means the temple, and Marjana means cleanly, clean, cleanliness, cleaning. Chaito Darpana Marjana, Bhartikanda says, cleaning the dust from the mirror of the heart. Um, so Mandira Marjana. And Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself uh, engaged in this. Uh, Mandira Marjana as a pastime. When the Rathayatra is fixing to take place, he, he takes all the devotees and he goes to the Gundicha temple, uh, which has been uh, not much used during the year. But during Rathayatra, Lord Jagannath goes and stays there for two weeks at the Gundicha Marjana. I mean the Gundicha temple. So that Lord Chaitanya engages in this Gundicha Marjana, cleansing of the Gundicha temple. And there's a very beautiful and elaborate description of how they bring all these pots of water and all these brooms and they clean the temple very nicely. And they gather up all the debris, the dust, and the straw, the things, the, the dirty things, and they gather them up in piles. And all the devotees are working very hard and cleaning as hard as they can. But Lord Chaitanya, he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, so he's like more expert at cleaning than anyone. He's a supreme temple cleaner. And he has a pile of dust and debris that's bigger than anyone else's pile. But also he's checking out everyone else's pile to see how big is their pile of dust and how much cleaning have they done. And they were throwing these um, 
pots of water on the ceiling and on the walls and just cleaning everything so there's no dust left anywhere. And then Lord Chaitanya was even mopping the altar up with his own dhoti, his own cloth, to make sure that it's very spotless and clean. And there Prabhupada says that marble, when it's washed and clean very nicely, it shines and it has this cooling effect on the mind. So we have to keep our, we have a marble floor here, keep it very nice and clean. And that is Lord Chaitanya's pastime. And uh, I always thought that was very fascinating about throwing the pots of water. Something I had not done until in 1986 we went to um, India for the 500th anniversary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance. And it was a very big festival. Many devotees came from all over the world. And uh, we went to Vrindavan and there they had uh, the festival had rented out the entire ashram, which is like these rooms, one next to another, next to another. And then the room, and they had a little map and all the rooms were assigned, so I checked in for our party. Uh, one of the rooms that was for the ladies was on the map, but it didn't exist in reality. <laughs> so we had a whole thing, you know, welcome to India. Here's your room. Oh, that room doesn't exist. It's on the map. It has a number, but it wasn't there in the <laughs> bank of rooms. It was just somebody didn't draw the map properly. And then another room, the room that we had four men in this one room. We went to the room. The room was occupied <laughs> by some Brijabasis. And it was the middle of the day, and they were in there asleep. And uh, so we had to rouse them and throw them out. And the room was filthy. Just so filthy. It was filthy beyond, it was like, you know, something you might see on that side of First Avenue. <laughs> Get some pretty, you know, undesirable neighborhoods down that way. It was so filthy. So we got some buckets and we were throwing the water on the ceiling and the walls. And we were reminded of Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, and we were in bliss cleaning that room. Although when we first saw it, we were like, can you believe how dirty this is? How dirty these guys were, and how much in the mode of ignorance? So anyway, we cleaned it up, made it very nice and beautiful clean, and then we were all happy. And we were enlivened, actually, by doing that devotional service, because any service that you perform in the Holy Dham, in Vrindavan or Mayapur, that the effect of that service is magnified 1,000 times because it's the Holy Dom. Um, so we were completely just laughing and enjoying throwing the buckets of water and cleaning the room. And we didn't think that, that it was an inconvenience or, you know, how dare they give us this dirty room or anything like that, but we were enlivened in Krishna consciousness, throwing the buckets of water and, and remembering Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes of cleaning the Gundicha temple. And another thing, um, well, I lost my train of thought. So yeah, I forgot what I was going to say about that. There's something else I was thinking about. Is the room like all concrete though? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, it's just like stone. Okay, stone. Yeah. So, but we were, we were enlivened. 
because we were in the Holy Dom performing devotional service and cleaning for Krishna. And then also there's another thing about cleanliness. It is said that one who is a brahmana, and brahmana means in the mode of goodness, leaves a place cleaner than they find it. So you leave the place cleaner than it was when you got there. So that's something devotees always should do, is be conscious of cleanliness and leave the place cleaner than when they arrived. So, and the non-devotees to just leave it and, you know, somebody else take care of it. They pay people for that. You don't have to clean up. So we have the self-bussing program here in our restaurant. Sometimes people don't know that and they just leave their stuff on the table. But we're trying to bring them to a higher mode but we're not the only ones. You go to some place like Panera Bread Restaurant, you're supposed to you know, bust your own stuff. Have a place where you put the dishes and the trays and the trash for the napkins. So leaving a place cleaner than we find it, that includes, for example, the sink room <laughs> where we wash up. Uh, you know, Try to clean it nicely so when you're done, it doesn't look like somebody just haphazardly tore through the place and left it a mess. So this is something devotees need to be conscious of. If you see some trash cup or napkin or something on the ground or somewhere, pick it up and throw it away. Um, it won't hurt you to do that. It won't demean you. Actually, you'll make spiritual advancement by being attentive to the details. And this it's Krishna's holy dom, so it needs to be taken care of. So that's one thing. And then I want to read a, refer to a few verses in the Gita. Um, because the subject of this verse, uh, this purport particularly, is that how a devotee in the discharge of their devotional service, sometimes they may encounter some difficulty or some obstacles and there may be some stumbles just like here Lord Brahma has stumbled a little bit but he's caught himself with the help of his associates and he's picked himself back up and gone on so I want to read a couple of verses from the Gita there's one really nice verse uh -oh. In the sixth chapter, that um, says, 640, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha Parta Naivehana Mutra Vinashas Tasya Vidyate Nahi Kalyana Krit Kaschid Durgatin Tatagachtati Krishna says to Arjuna, the blessed Lord said, Son of Prita, a transcendentalist engaged in auspicious activities does, does not meet destruction either in this world or in the spiritual world. 
One who does good, my friend, is never overcome by evil. I just love the poetry of that line. One who does good, my friend, is never overcome by evil. So that's, there's a lot said there. One thing is that Krishna is talking to Arjuna, his friend. And, and then he's talking to all of us that by performing devotional service, then it is so auspicious that um, you can never be overcome by evil as long as you remain engaged in devotional service. So we see around us in the world, in society, how people are overcome by evil all the time. And they're not engaged in devotional service. So the chance is there. We just saw in the news about a, a guy, he, uh, he came home, he said he came home and his wife and his children were missing. And then finally he confessed that he killed the wife, the pregnant wife, and the two little kids, two little girls, and then dumped their bodies out in some oil field that he was familiar with because he had worked in that oil field. So this is someone who has not done good and who is overcome by evil uh, under the control of the modes of material nature. Then he claimed that, well, I killed my wife, but I didn't kill the kids. She killed the kids, and because of that, I killed her. And then he took and put the bodies in his pickup truck and dumped them out in the field. <laughs> yeah. You're going to believe this guy? <laughs> the cops don't believe him. Say, no, no, we know you did it. <laughs> um, so due to the entanglement in the modes of nature and performing sinful activities, um, one becomes victimized by evil and overcome. And imagine that, you know, some guy and his wife and his kids. You know, it's, it's just, it boggles the mind. But these things go on all the time, all over the place. And sometimes they're discovered and it makes the news and sometimes no one ever knows what happened. Uh, people just disappear. They're gone. They're buried in some hole in the ground because, <coughs> because of pernicious acts of evil that one is forced to engage by the modes of nature and by one's own twisted uh, consciousness. But we don't have to worry about that. Because one who does good, my friend, is never overcome by evil. In other words, one who engages in devotional service doesn't have to go through that kind of stuff. Hopefully. Or in other words, in other words, you better better get your act together and be Krishna conscious because there's there's some bad stuff out there. <laughs> and that's how you protect yourself. And then there's several other verses just following this verse here in the sixth chapter. This is a really nice sequence of verses. Let's see here. Jumping ahead to verse uh, 44. Well, let's see. And then Ar Arjuna asked Krishna, well, you know, what happens? He's asking him what happens to a devotee who, does, who falls down or doesn't complete his devotional service. And then Krishna tells him that um, 
prapya punya katan lokan utsiva shashpati samaha suchi nam srimatam gehe jogo brashto vijayate the unsuccessful yogi after many many years of enjoyment on the planets of the pious living entities is born into a family of righteous people or into a family of rich aristocracy or he takes his birth in a family of transcendentalists who are surely great in wisdom verily such a birth is rare in this world and then here's a very interesting verse that explains how people become attracted to Krishna consciousness without any apparent previous connection tatra tam bodhisam yogam alabhate power vagdehikam vitatecha tatobhuya samsidhau kurunandana on taking such a birth he again revives the divine consciousness of his previous life and he tries to make further progress in order to achieve complete success O son of Kuru by virtue of the divine consciousness of his previous life he automatically becomes attracted to the yogic principles even without seeking them such an inquisitive transcendentalist striving for yoga stands always above the ritualistic principles of the scriptures but when the yogi engages himself with sincere endeavor in making further progress being washed of all contaminations then ultimately after many many births of practice he attains the supreme goal there's another verse bahunam janmanam ante gyanavan maam prapadyanti vasudeva sarvamiti after many many births bahunam janmanam ante gyanavan maam prapadyanti when one makes sufficient advancement and becomes full of knowledge then vasudeva sarvamiti he knows that krishna is everything and therefore he surrenders to krishna Gyanavan Mam Prapadyante. One who knows, he surrenders. Vasudeva Savamiti, knowing that Krishna is the everything, the all in all. Samahatma Sadrulabha. Such a great soul is very rare in this world. And then next Krishna says that a yogi is greater than the ascetic, greater than the empiricist, and greater than the fruit of worker. Therefore, Arjuna, in all circumstances, Tasmad yogi bhavarjuna. Therefore, Arjuna, bhavarjuna, bhava, tasmad yogi bhava, be a yogi. Engage yourself in Krishna consciousness. And then he concludes the chapter with a very famous verse. A yogi apasarvesham, mad gatanat naratmana, shradavan bhajate jomam, same yuktat tamo mataha. Yogi nam apasarvesham, amongst all yogis, madgatenat uh, taratmana, one who's always thinking of me within, shradavan, he has complete faith in Krishna, bhajate yomam, and he's engaged in worshipping me, same mataha, he is the best yogi, Krishna says, mataha, I think, in my opinion, he is the highest yogi, the best of all, one who's absorbed in me with full faith, worshipping me, So that's the end of the sixth chapter there. Okay. So we'll stop here. You still remember the things you had in mind? You raised your hand a couple of times. Oh, no, I was just, oh, you, you actually caught the, uh, you clarified it.
when you said, hopefully, I was thinking, well, it's Krishna's words. We can take them to the bank. And then you said, it's if we practice devotional service nicely. So it's always on our end. So can you answer my question? Well, Krishna is very merciful. But we also have to, uh, after getting the mercy of the spiritual master in Krishna, then we have to also uh, take responsibility in the form of our desire to be Krishna conscious. It's on us. We can take it or we can leave it. And I have seen many people leave Krishna consciousness. Many, many devotees I knew uh, have known. You know, there's that expression, gone like a train. You know, train come down the tracks, zoom. Gone. So I've seen people, they're gone like a train. Uh, so we don't want to be gone like a train and go down those that track towards the next body, towards another material birth because of lack of Krishna consciousness. So the onus is on us to practice Krishna consciousness to the best of our ability. And whatever our ability is, and some people have a greater ability than others, but whatever our ability is, we practice it to the best of our ability. And if we lack something, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that I'll take up the slack. I'll preserve your good qualities and then I will take care of everything else also. So if we just try to give everything to Krishna, then Krishna will give everything to us and more. You know, Draupadi was in the assembly of the Kurus and the Pandavas and she was lost in the gambling match. And then, so Dushashan wanted to insult her and strip her naked in front of the assembly. It was a great embarrassment because now she was their property. So he grabbed her sorry it's like, all right, you know, it's like something in an old cowboy movie or something, right? Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, at first she was holding on, like, yo! <laughs> and she was appealing to her husbands, why don't you guys do something? And they just hung their heads because they lost her in the gambling match. And as Chatrias, they had to accept that defeat. And she was no longer theirs. And they were not protecting her. And then she was chastising the entire assembly. Is there no one of religious principles in this entire assembly? Grandfather Bhishma, all these great personalities just standing by and watching this travesty of justice, this insult of the uh, a royal lady, a princess. And she was holding on to her sorry. And then she realized Dushashan was a lot stronger than she was. So then she let go. And she appealed to Krishna, Hey Govinda, only Krishna, only you can save me. And then Krishna, he was very pleased. She even let go. She wasn't even trying to hold on. She just was surrendering to Krishna. And then as Dushashan was pulling off her sari, unlimited sari was manifesting and he kept pulling and it kept coming and she was still clothed. And he kept pulling, there was a big pile of cloth there, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. She still had her sari on. 
How's she doing that? <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to work. So Krishna, in his own way, uh, he performed a miracle, apparent miracle, by, according to the laws of ordinary physics, you know, that sorry should have been finished. But it kept coming, and kept coming, and kept coming, and finally he gave up. It's like, you know, how can you fight that? This is some miracle of, you know, beyond physics. So because she surrendered to Krishna, and Krishna took up the slack, he preserved her honor, and um, defeated the evil intentions of the Kuru clan. And they were very non-devotees and very much envious of the Pandavas because the Pandavas were devotees and great friends of Krishna. So it's a very instructive uh, pastime. You had some question? Yeah, that is Krishna consciousness because everything is Krishna's. This body belongs to Krishna. So we can't use this body in an improper way for our own little plans to enjoy because it actually belongs to Krishna. You know, Sanatana Goswami was suffering from this skin disease that he contracted some bad water in the forest of Jarikanda. And he was oozing with sores and like, you know, I, my body's useless, he was thinking. And it's so contaminated. And Lord Chichana keeps grabbing me and hugging me and his sores and oozing pus and uh, nasty, you know. I'm just going to throw myself under the wheel of the Rathiyatra cart. I'm just going to end it. This is no good. And Lord Chaitanya knew what was in mind. He said, Sanatan, you can't do that. 
He said, you've surrendered to me. So this body is mine. That's not your property. It's my property. This is God talking to him. So um, I have many things I want to do through your body. Many books to write and many temples to build and excavations and dive in. So you have surrendered this body to me. It's not yours. It's mine. So you can't commit suicide because I'm not done with you. I got a lot of things to do with you. So this body is Krishna's. So we have to stop here because I just got the high side. Well, somebody doesn't want to cooperate, then they just have to, they have to go. It's like, you know, Guru Dave gave the example of the orchestra. Like, if we have this beautiful orchestra and everyone's playing harmony, and there's this one guy who wants to do his own thing, well, he can't be a part of the orchestra. you, you got to get out of here. <laughs> you're fired. You're fired. you got to go. So you want to take a solo on every passage, yeah. you're fired. So it, it just, yeah, it threatens it in a way where it just creates that disharmony, but ultimately... Thank you very much, all of you. Shri Mad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.